0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Overlap, and welcome back to Episode 2 of the World Cup. We are back talking everything from the group stages, which, as we're recording on a Sunday night, and this coming Wednesday, which I believe, is that November 30th? I think that's November 30th.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah technically the end of the month. And we're very, very excited to talk about what's happened in the group stages. There have been upsets, there have been uh just overjoyous moments. Um, there have been sh- some shock decisions, but are probably not as many as others need or want, which uh, depending on your perspective. But generally there speaking,
1: been, there have been uh botched political stands that that uh some European company countries did not take.
0: Uh, it's really hot at all. Nice. Yeah, a couple. We'll we'll get into those. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to talk a lot about the U.S., where they stand in the World Cup. We'll talk basically about every single group in some detail or another. And I was telling everyone before we started recording, I was like, because this last week has been Thanksgiving in the States, and I've been off from work and obviously off during Thanksgiving plus the day after, I've basically had time to watch almost every game outside of like the very early slot of games during the group stage so my research that I have put into preparing for this is like tenfold what's usually required for our our weekly episodes which I don't know if that says something about me or it's just the number of games that have been played, both of which I'm very excited to talk about so. Brian, how was your Thanksgiving? Right, I'm going to ask you what you're grateful for because I'm cheesy. So you're going to have to save that. And then we'll talk about soccer
1: stuff, all right? My um, oh, Thanksgiving was good. Thank you. Um, it, I'm probably thankful to have these couple hours to not, – not a couple hours today, but a couple hours a, a week or a month to be able to just get distracted talking about the stupid sport. That we both really love.
0: <laughs> it really, it really is a, a silly, silly sport. I don't I don't know if I have an answer to the football versus soccer debate that's been going on between England and the US. I'm not really here to get into it, nor do I want to, but it has been a beautiful, beautiful respite from the day-to-day. I'm not thrilled to obviously go back to work and do all the day-to-day stuff, but even watching the games during the week in some capacity are gonna be really, really wonderful. So Rian, let's talk about some of those games. First off, obviously, we have to talk about the U.S. Men's national team. We have to talk about U.S. versus England. We talked a little bit about their game against Wales and how that probably should have gone. But um, as about 11 years ago or no, 12 years ago now, the famous New York Post headline said U.S. versus England, U.S. win 0-0. I think that's how a lot of people felt coming out of this game against the British Revolutionary Army, or I guess it would be the opposite. Um, History escaped me, but you know what I'm trying to say. Nil-nil, U.S. England. I honestly felt like we very well could have won that game, and I thought for large parts of that game, we were the better team. I would love to get your thoughts, Um, but before we jump into that, I just want to say we do have to have a broader conversation about Gareth Southgate. I want to get to that at the end. But England now have three more nil nil draws at the World Cup than any other nation in the competition's history. And this was actually the US's first clean sheet against a European side at a World Cup since we beat England in 1950. So it's been over 60 years since we kept a clean sheet against the European side at the World Cup. And I'll let you go ahead, Rian, and set the scene for us. I want want you to to actually start with where you were sitting and watching this game, all the way through your thoughts into the lineup, and then we'll talk about the first half.
1: (laughs) Oh, Okay, the only thing, just a quick fact check, the 2010 game was a 1-1. You're forgetting the... The oh, Rob right. Green, the Rob Green moment. How could I? But, yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Dempsey but, Dempsey's celebrating like he actually won the World Cup.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you're right. I mean, honestly, we overall gameplay, we played better in this game than much better in this game than that one. And actually can say that we had a good chance at winning again, unlike that that 2010 game, which really felt like a win. But um no, so I was watching this um in a home with two other english-born people one of them being my girlfriend and her and her mother who uh were both wearing england jerseys while <laughs> watching it which was just just be careful about
0: what you say next given you know you have a very close it was funny it was funny enough
1: it was <laughs> funny um <laughs> uh so so that was kind of like my atmosphere i was not in a bar or um you know surrounded by like a uh, hordes of people or, or or like six seven people um so mine was a bit more tame than maybe other people's setups but uh yeah I think like going into it of course uh I was cautiously pessimistic I'd say um not that i Totally thought that that a result like this could have easily been on the cards and a draw specifically. Um, but you know, I, I think obviously people were rightly a little scared by the by the England's result against Iran. Uh, and especially with the way that the US kind of seemed to wilt in the second half, especially against Wales. So you know, the combination of that and, and England's performance against Iran was enough to put people or at least myself I, I think a lot of people were very cautiously optimistic more more optimistic than I was but uh you know going into it I think when you look at the lineup like you said it was pretty much what you expected I, again it was almost an unchanged lineup the big change was how do you write for Josh Sargent playing up top but Backline was the same: Robinson, um, Ream, Zimmerman, Dest with Turner goalkeeper behind them, and the MMA midfield of Musa, McKenney and and um, Adams, again the the tried entrusted midfield trio for the US, and then up top again, Hodge right through the center, but then you had uh, Pulisic and Weah again playing on the wings, and I. I think that this setup or that midfield trio specifically is perfect for this type of game. And, and I think that like my argument in the last episode um, for potentially starting Brendan Aronson over Weston McKenney against Wales was just that I thought that game, the way that game played out was more suited for, for uh, Aronson at least in the first half than McKenney. But Along with yeah, his, his injury issues, but um this game was p- perfectly suited for for not only Weston McKenney, but Yunus Musa and Tyler Adams. And that's where you saw kind of like the difference um in this performance for the US versus a lot of other past performances against European competition.
0: Yeah, I like that you you picked basically my three favorite players throughout this entire game. And even coming into this game, I was a little worried about. Wesson, right? Like, I don't think a lot of us knew exactly where his fitness might be, not from just a pure fitness perspective, post injury, but truly from the last knock that he picked up against Wales. And one of the things that impressed me the most about McKinney in that first half, especially out of the entire US side, he had the most number of touches, possessions, won, passes inside the final third and final third entries in that first half. And that to me, when you think about how many times Christian Pulisic picks up the ball in transition, was probably the most impressive part about Weston McKinney's presence uh, throughout even throughout this game, like let alone the first half. Yunus Musa and Tyler Adams were a whole other beast that we'll get into in a second. But before we get to that, too, by the end of that first half, right, we saw probably one decent England chance, and I would say one very good u.s chance with pulsa hitting the bar did you feel going into halftime a little bit better about this team Did you feel a little bit better about this game less pessimistic because i mean you and i were on the same page about this like we were last week you can go and listen to the recording both both saying yeah okay we'll just we'll take the zero points and move on and see what we can do against you know iran but did you feel better about it at halftime
1: yeah i think I think the team held up better than uh, not not even just held up, I, I should say. Like the team they outplayed, I think on overall balance of play, just about like edged it against England in that first half. The first 15 minutes, we gotta remember, was pretty dominating from England's point of view, right? Like they the domination in terms of like getting into the final third. Right. I, I thought that um you know the US out of possession for almost that entire game they were playing four four two, where Weya and Haji right were the, the two up front, and then the bank the first bank of four was Pulisic on the left and then um Adams and Musa in the middle, and then Weston out on the right, um, which is something that you see actually a lot from him in um in Juventus, right, when they play similar not always 4-4-2 away from the ball um but like 4-5-1 almost and he usually is always on that right side uh and in this game i thought that like the, the pressing not a high press necessarily it was kind of like a mid block like they they really just blocked england's pathway to declan rice specifically and Jude Bellingham was pushing up really high, so it made it really hard for England to progress the ball, like the entire, almost the entire game until I think until maybe the subs at the very end. Um, But the first half was really good, and and England had their best chance of that half at least. I think in the eighth, I want to say eighth or ninth minutes, the the early Harry Kane chance where Walker Zimmerman blocks it when Harry Kane's from like six yards out or so, and and, he redeemed himself. Yeah, 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 and and look, you know, he had a mistake in the Wales game, and as you know, we kind of spoke about, like in my opinion, that was the only foot that he put wrong the entire game. I, I thought he was, I actually thought he was much better in that game than today, than not today, than Friday. Um, his passing was much worse, and and put the U.S. in a in a really tough spot a couple times against England. So I actually thought he was better against Wales. The one mistake aside but um that, that first half was really good basically you, you had the I actually think Weston McKenney's chance was much better than than Christian's like I mean Christian was just a great hit that was just a great shot from like a, a really difficult spot and angle to score from and he was able to to um put it I know it's not technically on on goal but um yeah it hits the post and just to go off on a mini rant here. This is why I, I have this whole other like anger with um, kind of people throwing out the shots on goal stats to, to use it as like a marker for how well a team is playing. Like, I I personally care more about just shots period. The shots on goal, as you saw from Christian Pulisic shot, that's not going to count as a shot on goal. So it, it, the shot on goal thing can be noisy, but um, I thought Weston had a really good chance and uh, you expect him to at least put that on target it skies over but like I said overall really good first half like the, the midfield was great that stick chance was created out of a, a great turn from Weston yeah yeah <laughs> like, um, they were really good I thought like I mean Adams was as good as he's been the this in the uh, Wales game and for most of his season with Leeds and almost the entire World Cup qualifiers and um, I thought Musa was much better in this game than he was against Wales as well. So th- they picked it up uh, and I feel like they does at least um, deserve to be said to have played somewhat better than England, especially after that first 15 minutes. And they were just kind of pinning England back for a bit. Definitely. And
0: I think I'll say ditto on the Western chance being better than um, six for sure. For sure. I think I, I think I sent a text to all of you that was just like, wesson like ah <laughs> like i was like that was that was it you're not gonna get many of this game and that was it um but i want to make a comment quickly on england and then i'll get back to, to tyler adams and musa a lot of people after this game were talking a lot about how phil foden starting over let's say i guess it would be drew Belliam in this case like he would have probably been a better option for i think for, they're probably i think people have talked or about for, it for raheem sterling
1: mount, mount even not not necessarily start. so I mean, starting and not we can get if we want to talk about the second half now then it's just like the him coming on in the second half is what it seems yeah. like people in England are, are very upset about it, it seems
0: like that that was the case but here here's my rebuttal to that and I'm not saying I, I think Phil Foden could have done a better job than Mason Mount in this game at defining his position. Right, and, and making his presence known. What do I mean by that? Well, I think Phil Foden's more of sl- slightly more of a dynamic player in that he will come deeper for certain plays and yep. sacrifice basically the offensive transitions because he plays for Manchester City where he doesn't really need to always be involved in those transitions. Thank you, Kevin De Bruyne. We'll get to Kevin De Bruyne's Belgium in a second. But <laughs> point stands, <clears throat> what Rian, you were saying about that midfield of the U S doing such a good job of blocking basically any combination of passes from Declan Rice onward was critical because those balls had to go either directly out wide or sideways, right. In in a lot of cases. And I don't think necessarily Phil Foden alone would have made such like an immediate larger impact than Mason mountain, for example, um, that's that's just what my my gut sort of tells me. But again, we won't we won't know because we didn't see him play the full game <laughs> Now, what I do <clears throat> excuse me. What I do want to say and get into the second half is Eunice Musa and Tyler Adams were probably my two favorite players on the field. Weston McKinney also had a wonderful game. But in terms of longevity in the game as well as what they offered um defensively, incredible. I mean, Eunice Musa in the first half alone, Won three out of his five duels. He had three key passes inside the final third, created one chance. But throughout this game, he had the most direct pressures on England, right? And I'm not saying just against the English side. The next, like, second most player, I guess, with the most direct pressures was, was Jude Bellingham with eight, right? So Eunice was everywhere defensively and watching him for Valencia. It's not always the side of his game that we always think about as saying, oh, that's the kind of shiny, you know, star boy-esque portion of his game. It's not always the defensive side of things. It's usually the attacking side. I was thoroughly impressed with that. Tyler Adams was certainly my man of the match, right? 100% final third passing accuracy. He had something like 60 touches. He had, I think, upwards of 80 touches in the Wales game, but this game still maintained a very high (laughs) presence in this game. My favorite part about this is he won possession eight times. Eight times he took away possession from England, whether it is from an interception, uh, a duel that was won, or something like that. And he was never dribbled past once. That is like defensive solidity in a nutshell that you need in these games. And I genuinely think the reason why the U.S. probably could have, should have won this game is almost solely down to him in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, and... Like, a, like I was saying, like that was really the the difference in terms of this performance versus a lot of other performances um that you've seen from the US over the years against opposition, not even of this qual like of this high quality, like even lower, right? Um, that felt like where the US has caught up, you know, for, for lack of a better term, um, with a, a, a team like England. And I think from if you're on the English side of this. They really didn't. Whether it was due to a lack of actual like ingenuity, or from you know, Southgate from the players on the pitch, like you know sometimes like the players, you want them to have the intelligence to make some of these changes, right? Like sometimes it is just slightly altering your movement, which is not always something that's going to come from a coach saying, right? But um, it's hard to tell whether it was due to that or the fact that England did know that a draw in this game, especially with um, how the Iran-Wales game went, where Iran ended up winning and, and making things more straightforward for for uh, England in terms of winning the group. You wonder if them knowing that having one point in this game had something to do with not quite pushing as much as, as normal. Um, I think... Another way to look at it is that yeah, you know, this is also something we've seen a lot from England in the past as well, where once they're kind of stopped from playing, there's not a lot of change from either on the on the field or off it, right? Um so th- there's kind of like a couple ways to look at <laughs> to look at this forms from the US. I thought this game overall suited how the US want to play more than Wales and more than Iran will. Um, The U.S. were able to play that, you know, as Greg Berhalter likes to call it, you know, vertical, like a verticality style game. Um, And they were able to play in transitions. And that's, again, where we've seen them at their best over the last couple of years. And this game really allowed for it. And I thought that they executed the game plan really, really well. They were dangerous in transitions, um, even if, again, the final pass is still inconsistent um but on the defensive side they were really really good again England only had three more touches in the attacking penalty box for that entire game so end of the day they made it a really really difficult game for for England to get any sort of um momentum and like kind of tilt the field into the u.s third they weren't even in the third that much it, it felt like um it was really good it was like really good overall i think from the u.s defensively i think that's the most impressive thing and that's what's been the most impressive thing under bro Halter as well um less than the attacking but at Elias, i guess kind of staying on the attacking side of it were you more more or less encouraged in than what you saw in this game versus what we saw against wales
0: Ah, uh, from an attacking standpoint, I would say I was a little less, dis- a little more disappointed. I'll say. Um, reason being, it's not that I'm disappointed that they didn't take their chances. You know, the chances that they created were clear cut. I think should have at least scored a goal. Probably should have ended one-one. In all honesty, what I was more impressed about with Wales is something you just mentioned that. Greg Berhalter's talked about is verticality and I thought against Wales they stretched the field of play really really far up the field in transition and if not for uh, Christian Pulisic just missed through ball maybe twice we're having a different conversation about that Wales game but the the US national team ability to stretch the field again in transition was I think key in it was key in um, Tim Wea's goal I think that will likely be key against Iran although I'm a little more nervous about that game than I think a lot of people are for some reason this is a team that did just beat Wales 2-0 albeit all in injury time but look the thing that I'm most impressed about and I was most impressed about is the U.S.'s ability to go long but not play long balls over over the top but rather again in transition make the i've said that like three times but you get the point i don't think i don't think against england they were able to do that as successfully but a large part of that and we probably have to give flowers to him too is because of someone like carrie mcguire who made actually the most number of um possessions regained or i guess he regained possession the most number of times across both teams nine times and i i think that just comes down to quality
1: yeah i think that's i think that's the right way to put it he he was as good as you or as people should remember him in terms of like the ball playing like he's still a world class the world class center back in terms of his passing right and and stone him and stone's put on a on a clinic i thought in terms of like line breaking passes because there were I, I could count on two hands like at least the amount of times where you know again they're blocked from being able to get the ball into one of their midfielders and just one of the two of them just tries to play a ball into to Kane or Sterling or, or Mount who are like in between the um midfield and the defensive line for the U S and they almost always got the pass. Right. And it was just really good pressing a lot of the time from the U S of following that man and not allowing a guy like Kane or Saka. They're really good at not allowing Saka to turn when he got the ball which was um, he was frustrated really important. he was
0: really frustrated
1: yeah yeah and I, I uh I said it to our friend Jay that, that Robinson would pocket him again he did the same thing he gets him earlier against Poland <laughs> this season Robinson plays him really well um but yeah um yeah I I think that you know the, the second half was pretty drab like there were those like five minutes, five to 10 minutes, I feel like from the 50 to the 60th minute or so, where the U.S. were getting a lot of pressure on England. And McGuire um, has also clear, cleared like four corners in a row or something. And, um, you yeah, uh, know, again, the deliveries on set pieces are, have been pretty poor for the most part um, in this in this tournament. Uh, but I thought those were a couple of good ones, at least, that, that uh, McGuire was able to clear. Um, and then the game just kind of petered out more or less the last half hour where it felt like both teams were very okay with the draw.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I will Uh, say, uh, I'll I'll just make one last comment about this game and then we can move on. But um, in terms of attacking sequences, kind of like we talked about, you were asking about Wales versus England and how we performed in attacking sense. I think out of maybe the top nine or ten players in terms of attacking sequence involvement, which is Fun fact: A stat that's measured uh, by, I believe it's by Opta, mm-hmm. um, the US had eight out of the nine top uh, player. Eight of the nine top players were US players. Um, Christian Pulisic was involved, I think, the most, and the only England player involved was actually Mason Mount with three involvements in in open play, kind of shot ending sequences. So, to my point, familiar, it's not that we attacked poorly. I think we just. Had better chances in uh, the Wales the Wales game.
1: Yeah, and and that kind of makes sense, right? Like conceptually, like yeah. that makes sense. Wales are a worse team. Um, you know, England are much better at, at you know not only defensively, like with like we said with with McGuire, and of course you got to throw in Rice um, in the midfield there, but also like when they have the ball, they're set up in a way to not allow um a lot of chances on 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 transitions and the u.s were able to get to them for felt like about half an hour in that first half and then um for maybe 10 15 minutes in the second but it, it, all in all it was a good performance from the u.s like really good and and um look i, I never thought that the tournament was going to come down to what happened in the england game <laughs> and, and that's still the case it almost did right? but yeah yeah i mean a, a win there obviously would have put the u.s in a really strong position, a bit of a more complicated one because it meant, like, multiple results would would put them through. Um, But it it always felt like it was going to come down to the results, the results, multiple, in the Wales and Iran games. And that's still the case. And and now they've gone – they go into that last game um, knowing that a win puts them through, and anything else, they're out. And um, (laughs) – We would have hoped that it didn't come down to this last game, but it always felt like that was the most likely scenario, right? And uh, and and you have to be feeling good that at least we go into that last game knowing that there's still a chance to get through. And and maybe that's all that people would have – that's all that the players, I feel like, would have hoped for. Elias, I'm sure you're probably feeling the same way in terms of, like, this, this is the minimum. It felt like this is the – I wanted this as the minimum, knowing that we could still make it through. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm not changing a thing that you said <laughs> at all.
1: <laughs> I think,
0: I think no one wants to be in a position where you have to like, keep track of another game as well. That's yeah. awful.
1: I, I, all right. The last, the last thing before we jump into the um a roundup of the rest of the tournament so far, at least did this game for you change your opinion of either of these two teams in terms of how good they are and we've been talking about the US for a while so i want to start want you to start with kind of maybe focus is more on england i would say
0: it didn't change what i think the ceiling of this english team can be whether or not that's with southgate but it did remind me that <laughs> there is There are a lot of things that this English team still do need to work on if they are to actually win the world cup. It's one thing to exit the group stages, right? Especially with the talent that they have, but it did remind me that there are shortcomings in this side when it comes to more specifically, not the defensive side of the ball, but maybe it's against basically low to mid blocks, creating open spaces. Like, do they have the creative players to do that? I I would think yes, but it's either Southgate is not setting them up properly or the players are not aware of how to do that, like, especially against low to mid blocks. So that's my only, my only thing about England. How about you?
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of the same concerns that I had about them, um, prepped up in that game, uh, it was disappointing to see them just kind of keep beating their heads against the wall against the U.S.'s press and just um, not change a lot other than when I think Henderson came in and, and he dropped a lot. But overall, I think this doesn't change my opinion too much. I still think this is an extremely talented team that tries that their coach tries to keep the games as much on the edge as possible because they thinks that that's the best way to play it in international soccer and and that is that is <laughs> the way that a lot of coaches play it will always come back to bite them against a really good team like I, so we'll see i i, nice. I think no there's there's no slight very, at all yeah for uh
0: no 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 slights at all at gareth southgate whatsoever i heard no, no of, they're yeah. still they're still they're still one of
1: the favorites they're still one of the favorites i know i have, know they still have one of the five best squads but, um, yeah, and I think that their side of the bracket is favorable as well. But, yeah, the, it, it didn't change my opinion of them a lot. It probably reaffirmed a few things.
0: Interesting. Well, the U.S. obviously play Iran on Tuesday, along with England playing Wales at the same time, now that uh, basically the latter half of the group stages, I believe, are all kind of bunched together in, in those games being played at the same time. So we're going to be back sometime next week talking about our thoughts on the US and obviously the rest of the the teams of the tournament but we're going to take a quick break we'll talk about the rest of the the standings leading into the last match day realistically for uh the rest of the teams of the world cup and we'll wrap up Alright, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about the rest of the games in the World Cup, the rest of the teams, where they stand, starting all the way from Group A. We're going to work our way downwards. Some crazy results <laughs> have taken place in these set of games. Rian, kick us off with Group A. What's going on there? Talk about some of the surprises, and I guess not really surprises going on in uh, in Group A.
1: Yeah, I think when we, when we left off in Group a, um, it was still Netherlands and Ecuador as the only teams to have won a game, but now we've had Senegal pick up their win against Qatar. And and look, Qatar ended up scoring a goal they, uh, unbelievably. Um, they actually came really close earlier, a really good save from Mendy. But, um, Senegal ends up winning that game 3 1 and puts themselves into a position where I believe a win against Ecuador and they're into the knockout rounds. Um, Netherlands played Ecuador, and were kind of bad. <laughs> kind, of- kind of is an understatement, but <laughs> honestly,
0: I, I, they were they were poor. I don't know if there's another way around it. They Ecuador probably should have won that game. And look, we can have the VAR conversation all you want, but at the end of the day, that um, that goal at the end of the first half was offsides, just by. I guess. Bruce. Yeah, that,
1: that, yeah. <laughs> that one. That one's obviously like spiritually it hurts, but it it makes sense why it's offside. You know, we we move past that one.
0: Yeah, exactly. We move on. But the Netherlands only had one shot on goal, and it was Gakpo's goal. Yeah, well, while- two shots
1: overall. <laughs> Yeah, like that that's, which, like, is worse, which is worse,
0: which is worse, 100%. And Ecuador had 30 total of 13 shots, five of which were uh, on target. Look, I think the Netherlands played really well in that first game against Senegal. I thought that was a different team that we saw. I don't know if there's much to say about this game for the Netherlands. I feel like they'll largely want to just forget about this and move on because from a group stage perspective, they're still the favorites to go through. And so long as they don't royally screw up against Qatar, <laughs> they should be Impossible. in the clear. Yeah. Yeah. They should be <laughs> in the clear. So look at the end of the day, um, I think I I think Netherlands still go through the real kicker is Ecuador Senegal. Do you have a take on which, which of those two teams is kind of your favorite to go
1: through. I mean, I thought Ecuador was great against Netherlands. It wasn't like the Netherlands being poor. Ecuador looks so much faster than the Netherlands. And you saw in the goal that they ended up scoring, you know, their press, the way they kind of hunt the ball can is really, really um, difficult to play against. And, The Netherlands were having all types of issues, like gaining any sort of control in that game, which kind of goes back to what we talked about after their game against Senegal, where it feels like De Jong is like playing midfield by himself, more or less, and that's not the guy you want covering transitions. So, um, Ecuador. I know know that all so well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, continue. Ecuador was was great in that game, and and I think Senegal still. Um, their defending wasn't good <laughs> against Qatar, like overall, like the defending was not good in that game. Um, they, they could have been the lead, could have been cut in half or even level earlier uh, without some good saves from Mendy. And so, I just feel like Ecuador's a better, I think Ecuador's been a better team so far. And. You know, we can look at the expected goal difference. I, I I hate looking at this stuff too much because it's the only two games we're talking about here. <laughs> but, you know, Ecuador, through these first couple games, has still only allowed 0.4 XG um, on the defensive point of view in those first two games. And um, it, that's, like we said this before the tournament start began, right? Like solid defenses win World Cup games. Yeah, it doesn't really matter how you do it but just limiting the amount of chances that you give up as it is with the rest of the sport. um, It's even more valuable in in world cup in international games, because these games, as we've seen in other examples so far (laughs) in this first week, it can get really, really bogged down in these games. Yeah. No, 100%.
0: You, You said it perfectly. Well, I honestly don't know who's going to go through between these two sides. Um, I will say... Are you going to sit on the fence? Uh, no, no, I'm not going to sit on the fence. I will say Ecuador probably or would be my favorite. I think largely because Eder Valencia is playing, again, out of his mind at the World Cup. <laughs> and fun, fa- fun fact about Eder Valencia, not only has he scored all of Ecuador's last six goals, I believe, he is the joint top scorer since the 2014 world cup, even though he didn't play in the 2018 world cup and only Messi <laughs> and Ronaldo have scored as many group stage goals as him in that time frame. So as long as he's playing the same way that he has been getting into wonderful spaces to kind of down that left-hand channel, I think Ecuador are probably my slight favorites. I'm really excited to see them um, against Senegal. I think that's going to be a fantastic game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I mean, really excited too. Another team that's been really buoyed by their midfield, like Mois Caicedo. Obviously, we know how great he's been for Brighton. Um, yep. But even being surprised by Sky Mendez um, on, Valen- on Valencia um, on, <laughs> on, on on Ecuador. Are you um, starting a transfer rumor? Is that what it is? <laughs> uh, Jackson Mendez, who plays for LaFC, um, and starts for uh, Ecuador, and and he's been really good for. I think he and Casado made a really good partnership in that that midfield. They're really tough to play against. They're guys who are just like kind of harassing you at all times when the, when the opposition has the ball. But
0: hundred
1: um, percent. Yeah. So we move on to to I w- quickly. I will give just the scenarios for Group B for for the U.S. You know, a win, and we're into the next round. A lot, anything other than that, and we're out. That's that's it for the US. Uh, Wales are, are officially out after their loss to, to Iran. And um Iran goes through with any result. Basically with not losing. As long as as long as Iran doesn't lose, they they go through. As long as England wins, they win the group. Um, and yeah, that, that's pretty much it for group B. Group C, alias, Poland, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico. That is the <laughs> standing right now. Uh, Poland on top with four points. Saudi Arabia and Mexico or Saudi Arabia and Argentina tied with three. Mexico with one. Argentina, a glorious Messi goal, and an unbelievable Enzo Fernandez goal. <laughs> two two just two just ridiculous goals um away from being in a really tough spot going into the final match day. But they go into it now with still a chance to top the group and a draw potentially puts them through as well.
0: Yeah, and look, I, I, I want to start briefly with the Saudi Arabia game because that will bleed into my thoughts about this. But obviously we, the world knows Argentina lost after 36 games unbeaten three years against Saudi Arabia 2-1 um, in their opening match of the, the tournament. And I think everyone started freaking out after that game naturally. But the one thing that kind of like kept me sane was knowing that 99 times out of 100 Argentina are winning that game because (laughs) I think we forget that there were four offside goals, I believe, in that first half, and that would have put the game to bed, right? Saudi Arabia were relatively poor in that first half. Argentina, I think, dominated. It was really that second half span and flutter from Saudi Arabia, which saw in the span of six minutes, two unbelievably good shots from Saudi Arabia, totally an xG of what was it, Rian? Like (laughs) 0.18 between all of their their shots, which they had three and two of which Uh, were on target. There are two that they scored unbelievable. And look, Saudi Arabia played wonderfully well. Defensively were so solid. They had over 90 defensive actions that entire game. But not again, 99 times out of 100 I think Argentina do win that game. So let's let's start there. That kept me sane going into that game against Mexico which was very cagey in that <laughs> that first half against Mexico was horrendous. It was the lowest combined first half xG of the tournament across both teams of 0.28. It was awful. And then, like you said, the greatest player of all time changed it up with just literally out of nothing. And the the rest was history. The reason why I say all of this is because this game, this group is sort of wide open after that last game uh, that Argentina beat Mexico. in. Mexico are in a very difficult spot. They're on one point. And quite honestly, they need both a win against Saudi Arabia in the next match day, which I believe is Wednesday, and Argentina would need to lose, I guess, to Poland. So that's a tough spot for Mexico. And look, their goal was to not get eliminated at the round of 16. May not even make it there, and Tata Martino is beyond on the hot seat now.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, for just to to do a pit stop on Mexico, yeah, he's out. i mean I think he was going to be out after this tournament pretty much no matter what happened. um there there were some quotes coming out before the the tournament from him where he just seemed very um somewhat resigned to the fact that this was the end and and seems to honestly have also um, had some sort of riff with the federation itself. This is one of this is in my time of watching you know uh this level of soccer consistently this is the worst mexican team i've ever seen and, and we're talking about like uh, it's like 12 let's say 12 years or at least uh, um, of span i'm thinking of here and it's probably yeah. worse it's probably worse than any of their teams in the 2000s um just considering some of the players that were playing in europe at that time for mexico it's better than what we see now like this is a really bad mexico team really really bad mexico team um so that kind of brings me to the tough part of what we've been seeing from argentina in these first two games you know, that first game if you you look at the i mean obviously a lot of the shots but you look at the xg as well um i think it was something like 2.4 to 0.1 or something like that for uh argentina against saudi arabia but then you kind of dig into it even deeper and the xg from open play was something around like 0.3 so they yeah it, it, it wasn't great it wasn't great stuff in terms of creating and that carried over into the game against mexico There was. I, I recognize that Mexico was making the game very stop start and make and trying to break it up and make it really, a, a really like suffer ball kind of a game. <laughs> um, but I think the I'm still very concerned about how Argentina's playing, like in possession. And um, I think some people have been pointing finger at Rodrigo De Paul. He has obviously not had a good a good first couple games. Um, Enzo Fernandez came on and played really well. Like, is, I would love to see him get a start potentially against um, Poland. Poland, on the other side, um, just to talk about their game, saw Robert Lewandowski score his first World Cup goal, and you saw that happened to him too. Just he immediately went to the corner and uh, crying. So, like, that was beautiful, yeah. beautiful thing to see uh, and, and set us up for a great match, day three. Um, Another game where, you know, Saudi Arabia—it was the flip of their game against Argentina. They actually dominated that game against Poland and and just got, you know, sockered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that the
0: goal that Lewandowski scored is absolutely not how he probably imagined. Nope, how he would score a goal, just pickpocketing a center back and finding the back of the net as he's done for over a decade. But listen that first world cup goal must mean the world him Cause he scored over 75 goals for Poland. Like yeah. it, it's, it's crazy how many goals he scored. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Must mean the world. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, that puts us into a really good position into the third day where all four teams have a good chance, have a chance of making it through. And, and I think from a neutral point of view, that's, that's kind of all you you're hoping for um, onto group D at least where, Oh boy. France, <laughs> France had a bit of a scare the first 10 minutes against Australia in their first game where Australia scored first. And at the same time, uh, Lucas Hernandez tore his ACL, which is really, really sad. Um, his brother stepped right in. And again, in my opinion, his Theo Hernandez is is the better of the two Hernandez brothers. But he's a much different type of player than Lucas Hernandez. He's just way more attack minded and um, I think we've seen over these first two games that combination of him and Mbappe on the left is terrifying from a defensive point of view. Um, and then, I'll, I'll, Alex, Alex, you started you started talking so I'm, so I'm not gonna say much more. But I was just to say the other things having that on the left and then Usman Dembele on the right, like it's. I think that France's whole game plan has been made very simple. Uh, and and in a good way and sometimes that makes things way easier
0: yeah and and honestly i'm surprised by that right like you talked about the not only the the pace Mm -hmm. that those two players on the left-hand side of this french attack have it's their interchange and ability to i don't can't think of another word but bamboozle like defenders on on the right-hand side for for them respectively Mm -hmm. it's it's mind-boggling but it's not just that they have dual threat in, in Mbappe and Dembele on the right hand side, who for me, who's had, who's had a pretty good tournament. He's had, I don't pretty, know how yeah. many assists now, really is it tournament. two assists or, um, or, or something? I have to double check on that, but his ability to get by defenders so quickly is it's close to unstoppable. And I think you're seeing that you saw it against Australia. You partially saw it against Denmark uh, before he was taken off, but that's what I've seen at Barcelona when he's at his very best. Now, positionally, it's something I think I want him to work on, and I want to see progression throughout his career. I want to see progression on his first touch. But generally speaking, he's still having an amazing tournament. The player, however, of the tournament for me in this French side is Antoine Griezmann. And for me, he has to be in the, the conversation for a player of the tournament already. Why? He has 2.2 expected assists from just two games that's (laughs) 1.7 specifically from open play and he's tied with teo hernandez specifically with nine chances created of which four have been from open play he's been the linchpin that's not only done all the attacking work but defensively too he stopped so many i guess balls in transition and made so many interceptions that i wish i had the stat in front of me and Mm -hmm. he's been mightily impressive for france so far obviously mbappe is off to his ridiculous start i mean he's had like I think 2.3 expected goals himself <laughs> as well. He's had some of the most touches in the box this tournament with 29, and he has like 13 shots, of which 11 I think have been in the box. So, yeah, I did not expect expect France to to be this type of side. I think their, or Australia's win, I, I should say, against Tunisia is really, really interesting now because Denmark against Australia is going to be – that's gonna be really <laughs> tough to to call. I think I think Australia probably have been slightly disappointed or, or are slightly disappointed about that game against France, but Denmark equally probably can be disappointed uh, as well with that. So I don't yeah, I don't even know if I have a favorite. I, I guess the obvious one's Denmark, but I don't I don't think that they necessarily are going to get three points because they have to get three points.
1: Yeah, I, I think from a Denmark point of view again they'll be I think they'll be disappointed with not winning against Tunisia. Um we did talk about you know they would beaten France twice this season in the in the Nations League and and would have gone into that game against France with some com- with a lot of confidence honestly. Um but you know France's just quality just really shown through. I I like your shout for Griezmann because he's basically playing like uh he's a bit more withdrawn from that attack than, than um, Mbappe, you know, Giroud, in this, Giroud and um, Dembele are involved in that attack. I'd say Theo Hernandez is almost involved as much, even maybe even more than Griezmann is um, in the attack, but Griezmann's been great in terms of like the defensive side of it, coming back and basically playing as like the third midfielder when they, when they're defending. So, that's kind of like the secret sauce to to how this that team stays balanced. Um, but just, just <laughs> sorry for that, that France tangent, but like going back to Denmark, <laughs> um, I, I think they'll be happy with the fact that, again, somewhat like the U.S., it's a very simple goal now. And in, in the in third game, it's win and you're in. And they'll feel really good about their chances of beating Australia. Uh, it, like this would have been, i mean australia is the worst ranked team out of any of these four so they would have felt best about getting a win against australia if that's what needed to happen um and you no know, they do that they're in and that's and that's kind of like the simplicity of it um so I, I think they'll be i think it'd be a huge upset for denmark to go out a huge specifically for them to go out losing um or not winning against uh australia but Australia's done amazing to put themselves in a position to, to make out of the group
0: oh absolutely well i think our favorites are obvious but uh, upsets in this tournament have already happened and broken so many hearts so ryan let's go through the last remaining four groups group e spain japan costa rica and germany and by the way that is in order <laughs> of what i just said um this is also a very interesting group now spain obviously drawing germany today japan having beat germany already and Costa Rica, in the early slot this morning, just teed up a win against Japan, which I didn't see coming after they were thrashed by Spain 7-0. Where do you even start with this game? I mean, Japan did not play like they you know could have had a million chances, but the chances that they got in transition, especially against Germany, were fantastic and took them, especially that second goal. Whereas Germany probably could have scored five and... I don't know how to say it, but they just didn't. They simply just didn't score. This sports, this
1: sports, funny. I don't get it sometimes. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think you, that's kind of where you start. Where where Germany feel really kicked themselves for not getting that second goal against Japan. Like they hit the posts twice. Um, there was a couple good saves from the Japan goalkeeper, but overall, like. Germany played that game fantastically they were active somewhere close to like almost three in xg and um I think it's like 28 shots like something crazy and just and we're not able to convert more than one um and then they the one they scored was a penalty so it's uh that's that's still a, a tough spot for them and then look I'll, I'll give them a lot of credit for how well they bounced back with this performance against Spain today that probably aesthetically the best game of the tournament so far um so many players with just unbelievable technical ability like like ability to control the ball in tight spaces Jamal Musiala was I hope they stay in the tournament so that he gets the chance to win like the young player of the tournament because I think it's him by a lot right now um but I, I thought that game itself was awesome. It was like Spain, the Spain Germany game was really, really entertaining and and really good stuff. And um, Spain have everything it feels like from Everything in between the boxes, they absolutely have to win this tournament. Their own box, I think Costa Rica is not a good measuring stick. Um, but but I still thought for most parts of today against Germany, they were pretty good defensively.
0: Um, I uh, thought they were a little sloppy at times. I think yeah. they lost the ball one too many times, and Germany almost capitalized on I think two specific chances where one some combination yeah. of Roger Unai Simon, lost the ball. Uh, Unai, yeah, Unai simone, simone gave really a hospital it, yeah. ball
1: to to, uh, to Pedri at one point in that game that, that almost yeah. put Germany in. Um,
0: yeah, but I, I agree think, with your
1: assessment. You know. Yeah, I think overall, like it's it's really what's going to happen at the top. And Morata came in and cleaned it up today. Uh, yeah, I don't think we can will ever be able to predict who's starting up top for Spain for the rest of this tournament. It's it really could just it could be someone different for the first five games of this this tournament. It
0: feels like that. I mean, truly, it was so funny because Ferran Torres got pulled off right after he missed a big chance for Morato, who scored. And then (laughs) Asensio got pulled off for Nico Williams, who also had just missed a big chance, and Nico (laughs) Williams didn't score. But it was just funny because you could see Luis Enrique was like, okay, no BS. Um, And I will say on the young player of the tournament uh, portion, there was a moment today where Musiala was carrying the ball in between Pedri and Gavi, and somewhere (laughs) in about, three years I think we're going to look back on that picture with a lot of fondness because those are three of the best five young players in the world right now
1: yeah yeah those are those are all three really good candidates to win that award uh by the end of this tournament so um yeah Japan they now go into that game against Spain needing a likely needing a result to make it through. we expect Germany to beat Costa Rica uh, and Germany's going to need to beat Costa Rica by, uh, I think, at least two goals um, to get above G- uh, Japan if Japan were to lose to to Spain, right? But, yeah, it's Japan, it was just really disappointing that they were not able to, to win against Costa Rica, um, not only because I have money on them to make it out of their group, but <laughs> but... <laughs> Convenient, <laughs> yeah. yeah but um you know I, I thought that they were really good in their pressing against germany in the first game and showed that they have players on the attacking end um really good in transitions in their own uh, in their own sense uh but really disappointing result against costa rica like they this team should have been going into this game with basically like, at, at worst needing a point right and it just would have also changed the group the dynamic of that Spain Germany game because at 1-1 we would have seen Germany push more for that yeah. second goal because they would have needed it and um, obviously that could have meant Spain scoring and and yeah obviously we'll, we'll never know but um, yeah that, that group is very nicely poised is kind of the end point there um because we're coming pretty short on time here but let's jump through these next few groups uh quickly starting with group f belgium oh, well, let me go in order here croatia <laughs> let's, let's
0: go in order yeah because that croatia. is not where the top is
1: <laughs> croatia morocco belgium canada officially out i think the only team right now who's officially out of the world cup um qatar oh yes of course of course wow Um, yeah (laughs) how could you (laughs) of course of (laughs) course um elias you tell me where you want to start with this group my two thoughts are between belgium or canada and i'll let you pick if either one of those two or if you want to start with uh, uh, a or morocco I, I want to start with
0: Croatia really quickly, and I want to give I keep using this phrase, but I want to give flowers to um, a player that I've talked to you about, a lot about, um, and I know that you've watched him uh, a lot. But I'm gonna butcher. How do you say his name? Guardial is is that? Oh yeah you, yeah Guardial. You, I think I think yeah 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 I, I'm guessing I'm guessing it's Guardial, okay. but okay he has a V in his name <laughs> for those who don't know exactly how he he, he does that, but um. I want to give my flowers to him because we can talk about Modric and COVID You've talked a little bit about that to me kind of offline, but I think having someone as solid as he has been, he's had, I think over the course of the last two games, like eight clearances or interceptions stat lines that are mind boggling. And he's only 20 and truly I, I'm i very, very impressed because if Croatia do want to go far past the group stages again in this tournament. They're going to have to rely on that even more because the legs of Modric, Kovacic, even Rakitic, like those players are aging and can, you saw it even against Canada. They kind of got run through a little bit. So if they want to go far, they're going to need defensive solidity like that. and, And I think you saw that obviously in an attacking sense, yeah, I think Croatia are fine. <laughs> I think they're <laughs> potential – I don't want to call it a slip-up against Morocco because Morocco are, are, I think, a team to beat right now and an underdog. But I, I think Croatia will be fine. I will say, from Morocco standpoint, if you're Hakim Ziyech and you were at some point – I think he was thinking about choosing between the Netherlands and Morocco in terms of the national team you would play for – Great decision to play for Morocco, not just because of this tournament, but because he's a consistent starter for them and will certainly get the plaudits for being a part of the side uh, as we can talk about Hakimi and all that as well. But um Morocco beating Belgium two nil today, which I think is a bet, a great transition, if any, um, to talk a little bit about where Belgium actually are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not much more to add for me, just to add on to the throw into the Croatia points the the amazement that that country produced Brozovic Modric and Kovacic at the same time to be able to run that three out for I think like the third straight tournament in a row like I it's just so it's so helpful to have guys who are really good at just keeping the ball even when things start poorly for you guys who are just really adept at Okay, well, this game will slow down and when it slows down, we will be better. Like they just know that. Um so, a lot of respect to them today against Canada where they were just patient and really precise with every part of their passing and attacking movement. So, um brings that on to like their their match day 3 opponent who they should beat. They should really beat like probably um without a lot of fuss. And that's Belgium, who have looked this entire tournament. They looked really slow against Canada and just got lucky. Like like I mean, I know you like to say that, you know, deserving is for finishing their chances. And so, you know, whatever they deserve to win the game because Batuai found one touch that was not terrible during that entire 90 <laughs> minutes and 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 was able to convert it to a goal. Um but outside of that, they look totally outmatched against Canada, um, and then against Morocco again, looked very slow, and Morocco just has a bit more quality on the ball than than Canada does as a whole. And then they're going to go into their third game against a team who, granted, is not as quick, um, probably won't hurt them going in behind quite as much or uh, making runs behind their defensive line, but a team that is. On like another, it's it's probably technical technical quality wise the best team in this group, and just gonna make it even harder for a team that um just looks like I said on Twitter, they're just they're just past their expiration date. There's the guys are too old. Uh, this team is not set up in a way um that like guys are peaking at the same time or at the right time even. One hundred percent. I usually
0: I have something to like disagree with you on, but I got nothing. I yeah. got nothing.
1: Okay. I go- when we, when we get through the last match day, I'll, I'll have <laughs> a bit more of a broader, a broader conversation about like this generation of Belgium. I, I think yeah. they're getting too much flack. People, people are really happy to, are, are really happy to call, to say that they never did anything, but you know, long story sh- short of what I'll probably say later in the week is, yeah. You know, being third at a world cup is really impressive. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like, at a world cup final, by the way, world like cup people final. like, the,
0: like the tournament is called the world cup finals. Like that is. Yeah. Like, that's I kind of like agree. my,
1: my end point that doing that, that's a pretty great achievement. Um, but uh, yeah. And then, you know, we'll pour one out for Canada who were fantastic against Belgium. And that's what they're always going to look back on. Like not being able to at least get a point out of that game. Um, yep. And today they were just beat with quality. You know, I, I I also said on Twitter like they did they've never faced a team with that much quality, especially in midfield in Concacaf. Like there's, they never came anywhere close to it. And um, at the end of the day, they just weren't good enough defensively to handle that. And then on the attacking side, um, a lot of reliance in Davies and Alfonso Davies to like create chances. A lot of the times when you saw him come inside, and it's like every time he does that, that's a win for the for defense. Like, he, he's not yeah. there's a reason he plays left back, <laughs> he's, <laughs> 100%. Not, he's, he's not someone you want, um, in tight spaces. As no. great of a player as he is, but and, and and no, and but every every player, has strengths. Goal, yeah, right? But, um, and scoring Canada's first goal, but yeah, like you said, every player has their strengths, Definitely. um. Well, Rian, groups G and H are a little bit harder to judge because as of time
0: of recording, we haven't gone through their second match day. But Group G is Brazil at the top, Switzerland second, Cameroon, and then Serbia. And then Group H is Portugal, South Korea, Uruguay, and Ghana. Um, I think the two things that I'll say about both of these groups were Charlison, take a bow. Nothing surprised me about Brazil as a whole in this game, but for Charleston, especially congrats on your 4 million new Instagram followers as well. (laughs) have picked you up since that goal. And then for group H, if I'm not only a Ghanaian fan, but if I am Ghanaian heritage, I am not. I am asking Inaki Williams to go back and play for Spain like his brother. Um,
1: no, but look, I'm asking God. For, <laughs> for like, why do why, why, why you hate me? Of like, all yeah. times to slip, like oh man, it just would have been the funniest World Cup goal I've ever seen. That would have, truly that would have taken over for Rob Green's. Rob Green right now is the funniest World Cup goal I've ever seen. 100. But oh man, it was it would have been amazing. Yeah,
0: and honestly, if you're gone as well, you're you're kicking yourself for not scoring an extra goal. Like, they had chances in this yeah. game. And and I will say, look, Portugal were the better side. Portugal, 100% were the better side. They had better chances. They are a more talented team, everything like that. But at the same time, they gave up really, really clear-cut chances. And that's, if I'm Uruguay, if I'm Fede Valverde, I'm having a field day like truly mm-hmm. and you, that's the only positive thing I'll say about them right now but I'm having a field day so just keep that in mind somebody to look forward to Portugal do play Uruguay tomorrow I guess Monday as of time of recording and um I'm very excited for that specifically if Ghana get a result let's say against South Korea then we're then we're in business if I'm Ghanaian but they've got a wrong, long long road ahead
1: yeah um oh, I'll just, just quickly loop back to group G Brazil. Yes, I got ahead of myself. Go back. to um, No, oh, no, no, no. You're good. Uh, we're, we're packing them together right now. We got we got we're short in time here. But um, Brazil, the one thing that I was outside of the fullbacks, the other thing that I was like somewhat concerned about for this team going going into this tournament was whether they would be heavily reliant on Neymar to be like the chance creator for the team. And and, and look, we saw for a, a lot of that first half, at least against Serbia, they were um they were a bit lacking it in the, in terms of the chance creation in terms of creating clear-cut chances against Serbia um and then the second half kind of quelled my fears in terms of remembering oh right Vinicius can also create chances like very well from the wing like he can do that pretty so easily. can Rodrigo so, so can, can Rodrigo yep
0: any of those attackers and some yeah. obviously differently um but yeah, the one thing that I think we were all concerned about, right, is A, is how how much is Neymar's injury in that first game going to affect him? It looks like he's out for the rest of the group stages. And then B, what what does this team look like without him, right? Like who starts instead of him? Oh, God forbid it's Rodrigo, right? Like <laughs> that's not a bad problem to have. It truly isn't. So keep that in mind that while Brazil aren't with Neymar through the rest of the group stages – they're not in a bad position, both personnel wise and both from like just a natural fit into a creator role like you were talking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and look, they they also lost Danilo for the rest of the group stages. So we're also going to see a test of their depth for on the, in the fullbacks, which.
0: Well, right. look, to me, Alexandra and Danilo were two of their worst players um, against uh, was it Serbia. Um, mm-hmm. So as much of a miss as that is and anyone in this Brazil team not playing is obviously a miss. If we see some combination, let's say of Alexandra having to play on that left-hand side and Danny Elvez coming in to play right back. I'm here for it. I'm so <laughs> here for it. I cannot wait to see just the lack of running on that right-hand <laughs> side entirely.
1: I'm so ready. Uh, yeah, that's my question do you think they just kind of go full conservative and throw Millie Tao at right back potentially in, uh, in, yeah, all, in all reality? You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, No, they're not going to look, they're not going to play. I think they're going to do everything possible not to play Danny Alves a single minute that matters 100%. in this tournament. <laughs> yeah. Look, he's their vibes guy. Like we yeah. talks about vibes guys. He's yep. Brazil's vibes guy for sure so (laughs) uh,
0: without a doubt
1: (laughs) oh yeah so they they play switzerland um again recording recordings on sunday on monday um portugal plays uruguay um should be a great game should well hmm, great and fernando santos being one of the coaches is not usually (laughs) something that goes together but um yeah we've got some good games set up here i'm really excited from a political point of view, for Switzerland Serbia,
0: as oh, we saw God. in the, the twenty eighteen World Kosovo Cup
1: undertones. Yeah, we saw in twenty eighteen World Cup when they played against each other, and and Jaka and Shakira were throwing up the Albanian eagles. But when um, they scored, that's that's going to be a. <laughs> yeah, that one actually, I, I'm somewhat scared of what happens in the. I hope that Qatar has good enough security know enough about the problems in those two countries to have the right level of security for that game in the stands yeah
0: Yeah, i'm 100 percent with you uh i i i don't know i I think they do given what we know about the country but yeah no (laughs) no comments no comments on this matter um (laughs) i think does that gets almost everything is there anything I, else about group I, h that you want to touch on
1: no i think that uh that just about wraps it up um look we've got three more games three more days of games um is that 12 in total left no more it's got to be more than that <laughs> but we definitely got more yeah we have four a day for the next three days i mean that sounds like Right, that's twelve. That's yeah, it's all well, one. Yeah, right yeah, equals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's twelve fair. games. <laughs> twelve games. Love it. Left. Um, Love it. Um, and yeah. Oh my gosh. No, wait. God, oh, did we go all the way to? I'm so confused about this the schedule. I don't is. think we'll. How about this? We'll figure it out and get back to everybody
0: <laughs> in like I don't know a couple of days. Um, I think we go to Friday with the group stages and then round of sixteen yes. starts next Saturday. Yes. There you go. You figured it out. All right football and soccer until December 6th. And then we get our first two day break.
1: Yeah. We, right. have, we have literally no breaks for another 10 days. Beautiful.
0: That's a lot of recording, a lot of fun for us. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back talking to you next week. Enjoy the week of games coming up. We'll be back somewhat in the midweek timeframe. We'll figure it out. And we'll talk a little bit more about the football, the the U S meds national team and all the rest of the group stage match. So thank you as always for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon.
1: Thanks guys.